What is going on and welcome to the Power of Progression podcast. I'm your host, John Marone. Thank you very much for joining us on today's episode. And please do not forget to like, subscribe, follow the podcast, write a review, and then share it out to anybody who can take the value from today's episode and put it into their life. But now it is time to help you design the life you've always wanted to live, creating the ultimate version of yourself, and jump into the episode. So let's get it popping. What is going on? And welcome back to another episode of Power of Progression. I cannot wait to introduce my guest. He's a very, very powerful, powerful guest that's going to change your life. His name is Trent Shelton. He's a former NFL receiver who once suffered from depression and fought through it, all to become one of the most impactful speakers, not only of this generation, but I think of all time. He has reached over 1 billion views, that's right, 1 billion views with his hard-hitting videos that create massive change in people's lives. He's also the author of The Greatest You, the founder and president of Rehab Time, but most importantly, he is somebody who can tap into your belief system and help you rewire yourself to take full responsibility and own your greatness, allowing you to truly design a life you've always wanted to live. And he is here to give you the tools to be better today than you were yesterday. It's rehab time with my man, Trent Shelton. What is going on, brother? How are you? What up, John, man? Appreciate it, man. I need to bring, like, have you introduce me everywhere, bro. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's do it. You know, I can That's go the ahead perfect and one, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. How you doing? I'm doing phenomenal, man. I appreciate you jumping on today. Um, you know, you and I spoke at an event in Delaware. Yeah. And it was funny because... You know, sitting at that event um, and, and, and listening to you speak, when I was writing your bio, I was like, I was kind of looking at, you know, what you had out there and like the great, you know, the greatest of this generation of speakers. And I truly believe the way you connect with people watching it live, it's one of the best of all time, you know, and I say that as a, as a speaker, as a coach, but also as somebody who loves to receive value. Um, and so watching you deliver it the way you deliver it. Um, you've kind of touched on this in some of your conferences. It's like nobody's doing it like you, and that's one of the most uh, unique and differentiators that you have. So to have you on here is an honor, brother. Can't wait for you to share some value with my audience. Um, I just kind of want to dive right in, bro, because there's so much to get into in this short episode, um, but I want to start somewhere a little bit further back. Yeah. And it actually starts with you growing up. Mm -hmm. I was listening to an episode um, with you and Tom Bilyeu, right? I had Lisa on my podcast. She's phenomenal. Both of them are great people. And you said something I actually wasn't aware of. You said that you actually were able to humanize and see the possibilities of getting into the NFL because your uncle, I believe, is a coach for the Chargers, right? Yep. And so you saw these cats coming over and like you saw how hard they worked. So you're able to humanize that and really connect the dots and say this is a possibility. What I want to stick with real quick is not everybody has that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Some people are growing up in, in, a, in a place where maybe there's poverty, right? And I'm sure you know a lot of people that grew up where the situation wasn't the same as yours. As well yeah. as, you know, where I grew up, it was like nobody really leaves this place, right? You got your one in a million. Um, yeah. And so those people sitting there right now who don't have that opportunity to really humanize what's possible, right? The greatness that they could have. What do you tell them? Because I don't want them to lose hope because they don't think it's real because they can't visualize it. They can't see it. Yeah, man. So um, the thing, 
Yeah, and that was a blessing that I had growing up, obviously. Um, just being able to live across the street from uh, Gene Atkins, which is Gino's – it's funny, Gino's like a superstar in the NFL, but uh, Gino's dad uh, back in New Orleans. So that was a great blessing. But the thing that I tell people, because I, I even felt like this in the space that I am now, like as far as being a speaker, um, I really didn't feel like I had – you know, my dad is very great at what he does, but I feel like I didn't have in the personal development world like somebody that I could actually like feel like, oh, okay, cool, this is how you do it. This is an example. And so, you know, whether it is whether whether it be um, trying your best to connect with people, whether it be you know finding someone maybe in your city that did it, like going to volunteer, going to camps, like so. If I'm a kid in high school or middle school, I'm going to as many camps as I can, right? Um, if I'm not able to do that, then you have to visualize it within yourself. And I know that's a hard thing to do sometimes when you don't have an example. But the thing I used to do too growing up was, and it's so easy to do it now, especially with YouTube. We didn't have YouTube, obviously, back then. But I would buy these, uh, my dad would have these tapes. I remember it was like a Magic Johnson tape, a Michael Jordan tape. We would sit around the TV and watch, you know, uh, whether it be the NCAA championships and things like that. And those visions, you know, almost became my reality. Those visions, I saw myself on the court. I saw myself on the field. I saw myself even play baseball. I saw myself on the, on the diamond. And so uh, to the kids out there or somebody out there, I would say, you know, research enough. Um, watch videos. Uh, you know, watch trainings online. Go on YouTube. Like, immerse yourself in it to where you feel like you're almost a part of it. That it becomes a part of your DNA. And I think the more you do that, the more you put in that work and the more you put in that effort, I just feel like life, man, opens up doors, you know, for you. And uh, that's what gave me the confidence, you know, outside of, you know, actually having an uncle that coached in the NFL, it was me, you know, watching these tapes and just visualizing myself being there. And it starts with visualization, you know, it starts with that. And then it starts with putting in the work to make that become your reality. I love that because you also said about, yeah, your coach, your, your uncle was a coach, but how many people do we know where their parents, their, their, their uncles, did something great. They ran super successful businesses, whatever the case was, but yet they didn't follow. And you, you had hit on a point. I'm a big believer in manifesting, right? Yeah. I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. And what I think what we focus on expands. And somebody had once told me, John, never let it be the first time, right? Like if yeah. you're going to be speaking on stage, never let it be the first time. And so I thought that was super powerful. And, and that's such a great takeaway for anybody sitting there to just think about that. Like the more you could put yourself in that world without actually being there yet, the higher the yeah. chances are you going to be there because the opportunities come there. And I'm just so glad you touched on that because I harp on that a lot about the power of visualizing and manifesting. Uh, but then obviously you got the second part, right? People think they could just visualize what I'm putting in the work. It's like, I read the secret. I'm believing. I'm, I think I like, no, man. Uh, I give a, I give a prime example of this. So I was told we couldn't have kids for nine years and, um, you know, it, 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 there's a whole long story behind it, but I started really manifesting it, right? Had it up on my vision board, really manifesting it, really putting it out into the universe. But if it wasn't for the action, I would have never had a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. If I Absolutely. Put in the work, it never would have happened. So um, I'm glad you touched on that. Now let's kind of go through the journey where you're in the NFL yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, things kind of take a turn. And I know a few people that, that um, when they left the NFL, it was almost like, their identity was gone. You know, it's almost like a, a, a mom or a father that's a stay-at-home parent. When their kid leaves, they kind of feel like they were stripped of their identity because their focus was this one thing for so long, they don't know who they are. And that lots of times causes massive depression, which is kind of what you fell into, right? Tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, man. I mean, um, just so any any listener can relate, like you said, it's like it's your identity. You know, some people it's a job for them. Some people it's a relationship. Um, like you said, stay at home mom or father. And that was all that I knew. Like since I stepped out, I mean, since I stepped out my mom's womb, you know, since she gave birth to me, it's all that I knew. Um, I had two older brothers. So sports was it. You know, my role models on TV, you know, it was always just sports or entertainment to be successful. So there was no other options for me. And so um, when I got to that point of finally realizing like, okay, it's coming to an end, you know, for one, I, I hung on to sports, to football way longer than I should have because I was so afraid of who I would be, you know, not just in the sense of like, this is my identity, but what I mean to other people. Right. So I've always been, you know, I don't even use the word praise, but, you know, recognize as, you know, Trent, the athlete and the football player and all Trent at Baylor, or Trent in the NFL. And, you know, in my mind, and for some people it's probably true, but my mind, people only cared about me because of this. So if this is gone. My significance is gone. Uh, my finances is probably gone. My life is over. And I'm only 20, well, at that time, 24 years old. It's like, what do I do? And so, yeah, man, I hit depression. And I think, you know, depression, you know, a big part of depression is when you're trying to control a future that you can't control. You know what I'm saying? Like you're living in the future and you're telling yourself uh, this is over or this, nothing better is going to happen. And so you start to feel super depressed. And, you know, I went to a place in my life um, that was rock bottom. You know, I really thought my life was over. Um, I really didn't want to live anymore because I'm like, okay, well, life is going to be boring now because I don't have this. And so, so many pe- so many athletes out there, um, some I teach my son now, it's like, you're more than your sport, but so many athletes don't prepare for life after sports. And that's why you even see guys that are all pros, you know, junior say, you know, all pros. And then when it's over, you know, I know a lot of CTE things and stuff like that, but when it's over, it's like, okay, I have nothing to do with my life. Or even if I do have something to do, it will never be as great as this moment. And so I think that's the almost, and I'm so careful even now, bro, like kind of fast forward with like, you know, really like idolizing the moment of something because I don't want that to be like the greatest thing in my life and that's it. So I'm always just kind of even kill when it comes to certain moments in my life. Staying neutral. Exactly. Staying neutral. Yeah. And, and you know, when you're talking about people being stripped of their identity, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's talking about sports, but this, as he said before, it's relationships, man. It's, it's, it's everything. Um, and at 24, at 24, only knowing one thing, which is like work, 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 play, work, 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 play on Sunday, right? Or Friday or Saturday, whatever the, the you know, time was of your life in the season. But for you to step out of that and get into the depression, what was it? Because I think there's some people now that are on that borderline of like, they don't know what their identity is. And it's causing this feeling of overwhelm, anxiety, yeah. which is causing depression. And you and I both know sitting in that state of depression does nothing but create more depression. Absolutely. So how did you get out of it? And what can people listening, no matter what their circumstances are, how they can apply something to step out of that depression and into their next chapter? Yeah, so there's a few things that got me out of it. Um, you know, and I know every, everybody might not can relate to this if you don't have children. Uh, but my son Tristan was one of my main reasons of getting out of my depression because I realized this fact that, which, I mean, you're a parent, you know this, that, you know, your child is going to follow your footsteps. You know, um, you're going to give your child tools and, you know, when they get older, they can choose their way and whatever. But, you know, I, I always say it's, we, a lot of times as parents, 
you know, we give our child broken tools to build a great future. And I didn't want, and, and tell him to build a great future with broken tools. I didn't want Tristan to follow that, that path. I wanted to just give him as much as I could. So I said, I got to do something. And so that was like the first step of me realizing that I can't stay here. And then I realized, you know, appreciation um, really changed my life. What you focus on is what you will feel. And I'm a true believer of that. And I realized that when I was depressed or just being honest, like I, and to be clear, I don't feel like anybody's like free from depression. You know, um, maybe, you know, not the, 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 the high depression where you're like, you're not doing anything with your life, but I have moments where, you know, I, I get down. I have moments where I question my work. I have moments where I question myself. And in these moments, the difference is from now and then, then I would stay in those moments, like quicksand, like you said, it's hard to get out. But now I have these, I call fire escapes, um, emergency exits, I like to call that when I'm feeling these things that I know to do this. I know, okay, movement influences mood. So I go for a run, I go for a walk, I get outside my house, I get outside my office, whatever it may be. But appreciation, bro, like it changed my life because I feel like when you appreciate everything you have, you realize you have everything that you need. And so I say, you know what, this isn't the end of my life. This is the end of a chapter. I'm going to have plenty of chapters that come to an end. Appreciate this moment so you can find the gratitude in it that will help you, you know, rewrite, uh, re, uh, not rewrite, but help you write the next chapter in your life. And so appreciation, bro, is like my secret key to anything because I don't feel like you can feel appreciation and depression at the same time. I really don't. I feel like you can't feel those two emotions at the same time. So I'm always trying to find gratitude. Yeah, you can't. And, and, and you talked about you can't feel at the same time. They can't. Like negativity and gratitude, they can't coexist. So when everybody's like, man, I'm feeling negative. I said, I got the perfect shield for you, right? We, <laughs> we have the shield. It's gratitude. You know, how many times you're driving in the car, we get pissed off because we're sitting in traffic, right? And, and, and rather than saying, man, I got a car, right? I have money to put gas in a car. I'm going somewhere. A lot of people can't say that. You know, I've been on the other side of that road. So I get that. And maybe some people who haven't been on the, the, the bad side, right? That rock bottom, it's hard for them to find the appreciation. But another tool you gave, guys, listen up, take notes. Like you talked about movement, right? Like get out and start moving. You know, sitting yeah. in that depression is doing nothing but, but keeping you there um, and causing more depression. It's time to rewrite another part of that, that, that chapter. Do you mind if we go a little bit deep? Because I wasn't aware of this, man, um, until you spoke at the event that, that, um, in Delaware. And it was about, I think it was your college teammate. Mm -hmm. And he had passed away. And, and when you were speaking about it, um, I could tell. You know, that's, see, the only reason why we make decisions as humans, I think, are pain and pleasure. Um, and I think that pain creates a lot of progression for you, right? Pain powers progression. Um, tell everybody about, about, like, who this gentleman was to you, what he meant to you, and kind of what you went through, because we all have lost somebody for the most part. Um, yeah, and yeah, man. Um, it was hard, bro, because so... Anthony, he was my college teammate, and not just that, I mean, he was my college roommate. You know, it was one of my, my close friends. Um, and what made it hard, really hard, was, you know, at, you know, 19, 20 years old, you know, just being a football player and, you know, just having that, that manly spirit, right? And it's just like I saw, I saw signs of depression in him, like uh, with situations that might have happened. And just kind of like, man up, bro, like, you're good, you know, like just push forward. And we never really addressed it. 
And so fast forward to, you know, after he was through with football and he was in the uh, military air force and, uh, you know, I got a call, man. I was, I still remember it was July 4th weekend. I was out at the club somewhere and uh, I got a text actually. And I pulled, when I drove home, I made a call and, you know, somebody went to school that's worked at the coroner's office and she just told me like, Anthony is here. And I was like, here, like, where are you talking about? Cause I haven't talked to this girl like in so long. She was like, he's here. Like he committed suicide. And that was hard, man, because if you ever lost someone close to you to suicide or just even, I mean, lose someone, period, I think guilt, you know, kind of flows through your veins at first. It's like, man, I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have did that. And if you're not careful, those things will consume you and control you. And so I was like, man, Anthony wouldn't want me to think like that. And so I went to this funeral and it changed my life forever because seeing, you know, somebody that literally was your a close friend, you know, I've had, you know, grandparents pass away, which hurt, but this one, man, was just, it was just different. You know, he was young and um, it made me realize that life is not guaranteed. Like life is, is short and we know that, but we don't really always feel that because if we really feel it. We live life totally differently. Yeah. And it was a promise that I made to him at his service. I said, man, I'm going to live the rest of my life helping people, you know, with their self-worth, like letting people know that they're enough. And, that was very outside my comfort zone because some people hear me speaking oh you were just always like this i'm an introverted person by nature you know even to this day it's still outside my comfort zone but i was willing to do that for him and to make a long story short you know he's more alive in my life than he's ever been you know um i took that moment of so much pain and now it's helping you know millions of people across the world you know through his story and that's how i kept him alive and to the people listening to this like if you ever lose someone because i get this a lot like how do you deal with grief and how do you you know, one thing that I feel like helped me is whether it be my grandparents, anybody, is taking a piece of them and keeping that piece of them that you enjoy, whether it was, you know, whatever, and giving that to the world, I feel like keeps them alive. And, you know, Anthony's spirit is, like I said, more alive than it's ever been in my life. And, you know, it wouldn't be a rehab time, you know, without him. So, yeah. I, I got chills, man, just, just hearing that because – it resonates with almost every single person, right? And like you said, yeah. it doesn't have to be suicide, but you lose somebody. I just need to ask you, like sometimes the days that get hard, like you have kids, right? You have clients, you have your wife, you have your family, but sometimes do you just go ahead and say, I just, I'm having a rough day. And do you think about him to power you through and get the things done you know you need to get done so you can live for him that day? Do you ever just use him and just say, man, just, you know, I'm, I'm going to live for today for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, more often than not, you know, and it's, it's like I have a I actually have a video coming out with my son. You know, it's a video, but it's a real moment. Um, you know, I have this thing about or definitely like probably like the I haven't done it lately besides. Well, I have done it lately, but as far as like I used to do it a lot back in like 2012, 2013. But I got back to doing it uh, with my son and it's uh, me going to the cemetery. Because when I was there, you know, visiting him, it was that moment. So I don't necessarily, he's in San Antonio, uh, buried in San Antonio. So I don't go back to San Antonio all the time, but I go to a cemetery and um, it just makes it surreal for me. Like it makes me understand like why I started, why I do what I do. Even if it's not the cemetery, if it's my mom's in my parents' house in the guest room where I started rehab time, you know, I go back to there just to kind of refuel me and revisit that reason of why I started. Because as you grow in this journey, it's very easy to forget. I mean, a lot of things pull you away. And uh, so I always try to connect back to that 
And whether it be, you know, I got his tat- number tattooed on my wrist. But it was just looking down on my wrist and just giving me that reminder to keep serving the world. Because, like I said, none of us know when our time is up. And I just want to leave a legacy of people knowing that they're enough, you know, because that was my promise to him. Yeah. And, and, and you're doing that, man, through not like – and I was actually was at that conference where my mom was actually there. And I was on the <laughs> panel, like, the day before after I did the keynote. And she asked what legacy meant. And I always thought, like – you know, the most important part of your grave is, is the dash, right? It's about like when people see Absolutely. that dash, it's not about, you know, how long you live, but how did you make them feel? Like, what do they think of when they see that dash? But then I thought about it and I thought even deeper and kind of what you talked about. It's like, yeah, every time I leave a room, I'm leaving a piece of my legacy. Every time I leave a podcast episode, it's a piece of my life. Every time I get off a conversation. So knowing that I have so much more urgency to serve and, and do what I love to do and, and create that mission on a daily basis. I mean, the reason why I brought that up, if you utilize him as power to really push through the day sometimes, it's because I think people have this grand scheme of like your why. And I'm a big believer, like I have a deep why, but sometimes like it just doesn't do it. Sometimes it takes something as simple as like, knowing we got people fighting across, you know, the, the world right now so that we have the ability to have this conversation, right? People are risking their lives so we could change lives. And sometimes just, just like, okay, I'm doing it for that today. And for you, man, looking down, like seeing that number, like I'm doing it for you today, bro. Like this, this today's for you, right? Like, absolutely. what is your thought on the, the, the big why or the daily why's? Do you have one that you kind of like feel like everybody should have this one big concept of why, or do you think it could change and evolve? I think you have multiple, you know, I, I like to call it like your rooted reason. Um, I think I talk about this a lot when I talk about commitment and what helps me being helps me be committed. You know, committed commitment is everything. You know, commitment is is the thing that works when motivation isn't there, right? Commit, inconvenience exposes it. And so, uh, for me, you know, the things I weren't committed to in my life, I realized that I had like basically weak wise or I call them surface level reasons. And so, it could be something as it could be a monetary reason, it could be whatever a, a significance reason. And those things are usually not enough. And with, as far as with rehab time, obviously Anthony, um, obviously my family, but like there's people all across the world that, that need help. And what always keeps me going is realizing no matter how, I mean, like a billion video views, that's great, but there's more than a, a billion people in this world. And so there's someone in the world that needs my message that hasn't heard it yet, that's suffering that hasn't heard it yet. And so I'm always thinking about that person, no matter how many people have heard it, I'm always thinking about that person that hasn't heard it yet, that really needs the message. And so you can have multiple uh, reasons or rooted reasons or whys, whatever you want to call it, um, in your life that keeps you motivated. And as you said, it's, it's leverage, you know, um, the leverage that you place. I mean, I have crazy leverage. Talk about this on a few podcasts, like even when I'm running, like I'll be like, I'm super crazy when it comes to this. Like if I stop, then, you know, my kids aren't going to eat, whatever, you know, and those things keep me going. I mean, it motivates me uh, to keep pushing. So that's the, the leverage I feel like in my life when it comes to rehab time, like, hey, there's somebody out there that needs the message right now that that hasn't heard it. And more often than not, I'll get an inbox and say, hey, I've never heard of you, but thank you for creating this video. That's, that's amazing, man. And you're not that crazy, bro, because I do the same thing. Like if I'm doing a plank, if I'm doing something, I'm like, if I quit at this, what else am I going to quit at? My exactly. Because I think, and Andy Frisella kind of embedded this in, into me. It's like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, right? Like Absolutely. raise your standards, raise your results. And I'm all about that. And so if I'm on, a, on, on the elliptical or whatever, 
well, I want to quit half the time, but I'm like, yeah. quit at this. <laughs> you know, what kind of, what, what else am I going to quit at? Right. And so that's right. It's, it's true though, because you, you said something funny. I've never heard it that way. Inconvenience, um, you know, Close can't really dictate commitment. Right. Like, yeah. And, and it's so true because I was talking about your circumstances can't dictate your habits. So it's the same thing. And it's an inconvenience, the small things guys, like he's talking about, like they hear what he said, like when I'm running, I ask myself this question, right? Like if you give your, yourself the small excuse for, for like just the littlest thing, you're going to give yourself another excuse for the bigger things. It's just Absolutely. the way it works, right? Because you build an excuse habit. Right. And it's just an excuse mindset. So I'm so glad that you touched on that. Uh, but you did talk about rehab time. I need to yeah. know, like, where did it come from? Um, <laughs> and, and I saw the first video. Let me just tell you, um, <laughs> it was it was phenomenal. But the good thing is, is like you and I both know we need to embrace the suck. You know, what I mean? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like we got to absolutely no one's going to come out the, the, the gate swinging for the most part. So tell me more about rehab time. Like, where did you come up with the name? Um, a little bit of, uh, and a little bit of the mission behind it. Yeah. So it's funny, man. I wish I had like some incredible story, like some euphoric moment, <laughs> but I don't, but this is, this is where I feel like it came from. This is super funny. Um, obviously the word rehab, like it was, all, it's always what it used to be. I feel like a, like a negative, like connotation with it. Like, Oh, you're in rehab. Like, oh, but from a sports perspective, you know, rehab is a part of the journey. And I've been in rehab plenty of times. And rehab t rehab is a journey because you can get hurt. And this happened to me plenty of times. Probably happened to anybody who's been hurt. Where I'm like, all right, man, I sprained my ankle. Rehab sucks. I want to get back out there. And I go back out there and I get hurt even more. And so it teaches you to be patient. So I said, man, like, I need this in my life. And I was like, well, rehab is really putting a strength into a weakness. And so that's my definition for it. And so I was like, I need this in my life, mind, body, and soul. And I, I definitely believe, like, I, I think Rihanna's song, like, you know, checking into rehab was, like, hot at the time. So it was just, like, the word rehab just popped up. And I was like, I need to, like, send Rihanna a shout-out. But I was like, it's just rehab time. And so for me, that didn't mean a speaker. It didn't mean writing books. All it meant was mind, body, and soul, I'm going to get right. And so going to 24-Hour Fitness at 12 a.m., uh, reading books and I hated reading books. Like John Maxwell was probably the first person in like personal development that I started reading. It meant getting my soul right, my spirit right. And that was just kind of my trigger. Like trying this rehab time. All right, cool. That's all that it meant. And then over time, obviously, like it grew to what it grew, but it was just for me. It wasn't for anybody else. I had no intention of being anything that I'm doing now. It was just literally to better my own life. You were just trying to connect with Rihanna at the time. That was yeah. It. You're trying to make that connection. You hope that she would see it. And you know, so okay, but it it was just for you. That's how it all starts, right? Like, even like in our, in our own journeys, you know, I, I was an addict. You know, in jail, the whole nine, right? The whole story. But I needed to get me right before I could even get anybody else right. And to be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking about getting anybody else right yet. Like that wasn't yeah. even on my radar. Like to me, it was like, John, you're like, you got to fix some things. Right. Yeah. And so I'm glad that you had that journey and not coming at it from, I'm going to do this so I could go ahead and create income. Right. Cause that's yeah. the most powerful journey. It's like that. It's a self-discovery process that, that you go through. That is the most powerful thing that really connect with people. Um, that when you speak about in your videos, you could speak from passion cause dude, you were there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you stepped out from, you know, it was like 10 years. How, how, how long ago was the first video you made? 10 years ago. 
10 years ago, right? And nope. sitting in there and sitting in the room. And what did you think? Like, what, how long did it take for you to do that first video? Like, were you nervous oh. at first? Like, what was going through your mind? Because people right now, Trent, are chilling in that stage. They're like, yep. waiting to do waiting to do that first video, waiting to do that first leap or jump into their greatness. And they're having these fears, the same fear you had. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, man, I was, I was really nervous. And the main thing was, was it wasn't even like necessarily me doing the video. It was like what people would think, like, what would my friends think? Like I was, you know, I, I, I think I said in that video on one of the things that I, uh, when I was talking about it, like I probably was like either like just coming from the club. Like I was, I was, rehabish at the time and this thing i want to tell people a lot of times especially now in social media world we think that we have to be perfect to start something that video like why i'm so proud of like the 2009 trend is that i stepped up to the plate even though my life wasn't perfect even though maybe people would say oh it was hypocritical at the time but i decided to take that step and step into my biggest fear which was speaking step into my biggest fear which was you know, being criticized with my friends for doing something like that. And I was criticized for it. It's like, bro, you're doing that now? Like, yeah, whatever. Like, because nobody understood that at all. Yeah. And um, if I would have never started, obviously, I would have never got here. When I look back, you know, I'm like, it, it wasn't good looking back, but it was perfect for my life at that moment. And so just start. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You get better, you learn, you grow, and you watch a lot of people online um, a lot of people watch a lot of people online. You see like, whether it be whoever you're like, Oh, like I can never be that. Or you might say, Oh, well that happened for them overnight. And the thing I love to tell about people, no, it was a lot of long nights, a lot of hard nights. It was a whole journey. And then all of a sudden, obviously something hit a tipping point and it took off, but the tipping point would have never happened if I would have never started and started and made that video. So yeah. go start. You're going to suck, suck your way to the top, you know, <laughs> fill your way to the top. <laughs> suck your way to the top look guys I, I mean start before you're ready right like i think it takes yep. uh 50 of fuel for a jet to take off 50 percent of fuel like that's the hardest part right there is that that initial liftoff but still no matter what start before you're ready sounds good trent but like people are gonna judge me like people are gonna <laughs> judge me so that i think is like the biggest crippler in people creating success i know firsthand man i mean the closest people people that were, were very very close to me they judged me so hard that they doubted me so hard that they put all their negativity and everything. They spewed it all over me. And I'm thankful enough that I have a, an amazing wife who said, look, man, like, don't listen to them if this is what you truly want. And, and she pushed me right without that, though, I'm telling you, I probably wouldn't be here right now having this conversation. And so somebody sitting there, the fear of judgment, because it's going to happen. It's not like it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. People are going to judge you, whether they're yells or they're whispers. How do we get over that, man? How do they say, you know what? I don't need to hear about that. I'm still going. What's, what's the tool? What's the tactic? What's the process? Man, I can talk for two hours on this one, man. Yo, let's go. <laughs> two things I'm going to tell you. Um, number one, okay? And this is going to change your mindset forever with this, and it's simple. They're going to judge you regardless. The people that were judging you for you starting something – they were, they're going to judge you for not starting something, right? If your life is crazy, they're going to judge you for your life being crazy. As soon as you start, they, people are going to judge you regardless. And so you might as well give them something great to judge, period. These people are in the, in the seats. They're, not, they're, they're fans. They're in the seats. And I tell people all the time, if you're in the seats, don't tell me how to play my game of life. 
I think it's a quote by, I don't know if it's Aristotle, somebody like, say nothing, be nothing, you know, do nothing if you don't receive any criticism in your life. And that's true. And then the second thing I would tell you is that consider the source. The people that are judging you, I guarantee you they have never been where you're trying to go. So when I told people my dream of making to the NFL and everybody who said that I couldn't, whether it be a teacher, whether it be friends, they never made it to the NFL. When I started in the speaking journey, everybody told me I was crazy. They weren't speakers. And so why are you taking advice from people who have never been successful at what you're trying to be successful at? And I get it. It hurts when people tell you things. But the more, the more you keep building that muscle of uh, resistance as far as towards hate, resistance as far as towards opinion, and the best way to do that is to keep moving forward because you'll realize that no matter how many people try to hold me back, no matter what people say or judge me, they cannot stop you without your permission. You know, there's people right now that don't like who I am, that hate my videos. But guess what? I'm still going to make them. <laughs> they can't stop me from making that. They can't stop you from moving forward unless you give them the permission. So, again, if you don't want judgment, then just know they're going to judge you for not doing nothing. <laughs> Gold, bro. I love it. Like, they can't stop you listen, unless you give them permission. That is so good. What about the compare situation? Like, you talked about, you know, they're sitting in the stands, right? So they can't tell yeah. you. But maybe there's somebody in your industry. Maybe they're in, in, in your office, right? So now you come down to, okay, I don't care about people are judging, but now I'm comparing myself, my chapter two with someone else's chapter 12, but it's still bringing me into this depression, anxiety, whatever it might be. How do they stop comparing themselves? What are your thoughts on the compare and despair disorder that people have? Yeah, it's tough because you're in social media. And I think we, we all are, you know, um, somewhat victims of it, even subconsciously. I mean, you open up your phone and obviously you're going to see something like, oh, okay. But you just have to remind yourself of why you started. You got to remind yourself that this is your journey. I mean, obviously, when we run other people's races, we end up burning out. And again, you don't know somebody's life. Like, just because you see something online, just because you see them you know, whatever, reaching millions of people, you don't know what they're dealing with. You could be way far ahead of them, you know, especially when it comes to peace, when it comes to sanity in their life. And so I learned it a long time ago, um, not wishing I had what someone else had because I actually could be moving backwards instead of moving forwards. And my mom told me this a long time ago, and I'll share it. She told me this, and I'll never forget it. She said, there's people in the world that, that only you can reach. The only you can reach, whether it's one, whether it's one million, there's people that need you. So to the person watching this, there's someone that needs you. And that someone can turn into a lot of someone's. So if you focus on what you don't have or what you're not getting, you'll never realize what you do have. You'll become blind to it. And so every time I try to compare myself, I reel it back and say, you know what? That's their journey. This is mine. And I'm called to do a mission. And my mission might not look like theirs. But my mission is my mission. So just think of it like that. I love that, man. And more you guys, the more you worry about somebody, the less you work on you. Absolutely. Right? Like, Absolutely. Yep. It, that's and, facts. And, and, and why that's happening, they're continually growing. And you're just sitting there. And, and if not in a worse place than, than you were the day before. So, man, I, I, I'm in complete agreement with that. Balance. I kind of want to get into this conversation because I think this whole – I don't believe in balance. That's me personally. I believe in integration. Right? I believe that we're made up of six equities of life, and there's a powerful method to creating this integration. You have a family. I have a family. Like we, it, I mean, we also love our health, right? We're spiritual. We're this. So these six equities of life that make us up, I think we need to find integration. But how does Trent find a balance? Because you're traveling, you're speaking, 
you have your clients, you have your family, you got your kids' games, which, by the way, guys, when we were speaking in Delaware, um, it was like the only game I think Trent missed and his son went off for like five touchdowns. <laughs> man, he, he bought out, man. <laughs> but, yeah, man, like what, what are your thoughts on, on balance versus integration and, and how do you do it? Yeah, so we're we're in complete agreement, man, when it comes to balance. And I say this all the time. I feel like trying to find balance is a journey you'll never be successful at, especially we live in an unbalanced world. Like anything can throw you off. And so I live by the fact of, well, for one, priorities in my life. Like I'm always going to prioritize, you know, certain things. And the priority, you know, usually gets my focus. So if it's a family thing, like even with speaking, like I will say no to speaking engagements that are probably very, very good if it means, you know, missing, you know, a ton of my children's events because me being, I think about the end of my life a lot. And I think about me getting, uh, growing old and me looking back and asking myself, like, was that really worth it? Was it spending all the time on the road? And, and maybe it is, you know, but spending all the time on the road and doing all these things and, never making time for the kids, was that really worth it? And for me, my answer is no, you know? And so I always think about what's really going to matter at the end of my life. And in these moments that I have, I make sure I give my all to these moments. So right now, like I'm giving my all to this podcast. If I'm, going to say, I'm giving my all. And my kids, my family understands that. And so I'm with my family, it's family time, right? It's no work involved. And I think when you focus and give your all into the certain, you know, priorities you have in your life, or the certain obligations you have, I think it gives you more sanity. You can sleep at night and be like, you know what? I gave my all in these moments, so I can give my all to this next situation. Bro, I'm smiling so big because, like, I so I, I was an addict for, for a very long time, and it wasn't just for drugs. I was addicted to negativity, bad decisions, um, you, you name it. I was addicted to it. And so what happened was when I used to tell my story about my addiction, people would come up to me and they're like, man, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, I'm an addict too. My parents are, whatever the case is. And it was just a somber feeling. And what I realized is that we're all addicts, right? Yeah. A lot of times we're just addicted to the wrong things that don't serve and empower us. And so when I realized I do have a superpower and that's, I am an addict. We all have that superpower, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go light some fire on that and, and create that addiction in every moment I'm in. When Trent and yeah. I are talking, I'm addicted to right here. When I'm with my daughter after this and her and I are playing upstairs, I'm addicted to that moment. Like, and the cool thing is, like you said, lay your head down at night. But when you become addicted to the moment, you raise your standards in that moment. You become better. You bring more energy and you get more done. Right. Yeah. Like next next hour, 60 minutes, I'm going to be addicted to making phone calls and dialing prospects like use that addiction as a superpower. So, uh, you know, and I'm glad Absolutely. you have that, that 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 cut off. What does your night look like? So I think the most important four hours of our day are the yeah. two when we wake up and two before we go to sleep. What does yours kind of look like that morning and night uh, look like for you? Yeah. So I was a, a perfect morning and night. You know, I, I have my times. In where the perfect world. This, yeah, in the perfect world, uh, which I try to do as best as I can. But um, my night entails, uh, well, cutting off eating at a certain time. Um, I try not to eat past 6, 7 o'clock. And then uh, it, it, recover, it, it involves some recovery. Um, I love the foam rolling stretch, man. My body with football, so I got to take care of my body. And then it's just spending time with my wife. Um, it's spending time with my wife. It's it's reflecting about uh, reflecting of like what happened in my day, reflecting what I want to do tomorrow. But it's really spending time with my wife. That quality time, you know, trying to put my phone away, not being on my phone, usually watching something on TV for a little bit, 
Um, my daughter, obviously, we try to get her to sleep in her room, but that doesn't happen. So she comes on there with us. So just trying to spend that quality time, man, and um, just reflection for me. And then morning time, um, in the perfect on the perfect day, I am uh, something I call protecting my peace. It's a four A process. Uh, just appreciation, uh, affection, accomplishment, activity for me. And so I'm starting off my day with those things. Um, you know, I'm an intermittent faster, so I'm not eating at all and just starting off my day with that. And sometimes when I do grab my phone, um, it is to pour into pour into my community because that kind of like that, not kind of, that excites me. And I know sometimes it's kind of rush roulette because you just never know what you're going to get. But it excites me for my mission. Like, man, like there's more work to be done. And so I've been doing it a lot lately because I've been a guy that's like, don't grab your phone, don't grab your phone. And uh, I think just for the wrong reasons, for the right reasons, I think it can really, uh, really excite you and ignite uh, fire in your heart. So I've been doing that lately. And also, I think you're grabbing it lately because you've been working on Protect the Peace, right? So you become more creative in that moment. Yeah. And, and it's yep. hard, bro. I had the same battle where I'm like, I'll be reading something, right? Because I don't touch my phone for the first two hours. I try not to. Uh, yes. I, just, yeah, I, I have 75,000 thoughts going through my head a day. I don't need it to be uh, Suzanne's negative comment on Facebook. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. need that, right? I don't need that email that says, you know, something I don't want to see. And so I've been reading something and like I read Daily Stoic every day. I read a few things every day. And I'm like, but you know what? I can't post this right now because I said two hours. <laughs> and so I have this battle and I'm like, you know what? No, serving the people is what I need to do right now. I just need to put it away as soon as I'm done with it. Uh, so, yeah. Well, you said you're watching TV at night. Curious, man. What are you watching? Man, different stuff, man. Usually Come it's on, some tell document. Us, tell us what it is. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, so usually, if, if it, no, nah, I'm not really a, so I like power. Uh, I'm a big power guy. Um, but usually that's the only really series that I watch. I'm not really a series guy. I, I'm a, I'm a big documentary guy. So usually something on Netflix that I'm watching a documentary. I mean, I just watched the Aaron Hernandez, Hernandez story. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a big documentary guy. So if it's not that, then I'm either on my phone watching some type of, you know, documentary, some type of interview. So I've always enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah, or a good one is Robin Williams actually has a good documentary. Um, he just talks about him on stage and all the energy he puts out. So, so Netflix? Uh, I think it's on, I watched it on, on a flight somewhere. So I think flight? it's on okay. Netflix, but it's a Robin Williams check documentary. It out. It's real good. Um, yeah, you talk about power. I used to be a star fan. I don't know if you watched Star, which was yeah. like the, I mean, with uh, Queen Latifah, dude, it was phenomenal. Then they just like, three people died and like getting ready for the next season and like they just kicked it off air. I'm like, you can't. You can't do that. You can't do that to us. You can't. That was like the only serious show I watch. Everything else I cut off because of what it did to me. Um, so as you talked about like, you know, before, you know, when you think about a lot, when, when you're possibly going to die, right? Like when I get to that place, I read something the other day and I kind of wanted to run this by and see what you think. So it says, when you die and they say you, you see the light, it's actually the light of the doctor's office of you being reborn and you come out crying because you cry from all the things that you didn't accomplish in your past life. And as the years go on, you forget about that past life because of new experiences overload it. What are your thoughts on that? That's, that's, that's deep. <laughs> that's super deep, man. I mean, I think we all going to have that, that time of like, yeah, that time of regret, you know what I'm saying? Like the things I wish I would have done. And you know, I, I think nobody's going to leave this. I mean, it just depends how you die. Obviously, you might not even have time to think about that. But I just think if you're growing old, you know, you just you look back in those moments like, man, I wish I would have done this. And so I just try my best, man, to erase the I wish I would have done and do it and just deal with the deal with the consequences. Like whatever, you know, like yeah. go out and put it out and do that. But yeah, that's deep, man. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I, that's deep. <laughs> yeah. I, I read, I'm like, bro, I'm like, this is like, I can kind of get a board on this. Uh, <laughs> one thing I do want to discuss with you, uh, we got a few minutes left, but negative and toxic people. Yeah. You know, we, we've talked about people judging us. We've talked about comparing ourselves, but there's some people in our life that maybe we still have to have a relationship with, whether they're in our office, they're our boss, they're our family member, whoever it might be. And they're toxic. They're negative. How do you approach that? What tool do you use or do you give your clients to say, hey, look, man, this is like, this is going to happen. And this is how you go ahead and put up what I call those emotional guardrails. So it doesn't affect you. Yeah, man, you got to have those, like you said, emotional guardrails and boundaries, man. Um, the word understanding plays a big part of my life mm. is understanding like why somebody is the way they are. And um, it helps you, you know, have sympathy for that person because I've had people in my life where, you know, I mean, I'm trying to help, but I can't. Um, toxic for no reason. And I'm a big pe believer too. You know, sometimes you got to remove certain people from your life. But like you said, sometimes you can't. And so I'm always a big believer. If you can't change the situation, you got to change your mindset towards it. And so I just think about like why they're like that. And usually I can come up with some type of answer. And it's crazy, man. Cause, I mean, I think I, I don't think I can help everybody, obviously. But I just know maybe you know, they didn't have a chance at life, maybe, you know, a chance to be a, a good person, or maybe something really happened to them that changed them, obviously. And so I'm always trying to sympathize as much as I can. But if I can't do that and continue to be toxic, I don't take it personal, because I know where it's coming from. And so online is a great, great place for me. Obviously, you know, you're going to get toxic people, you're going to get people who are mad, angry at you. And it used to affect me. Like when I first started, I used to be like, man, like, what did I do to this? I didn't do nothing to this person. Like, they don't even know me. Like, why are they doing this? But then I realized, man, they're hurt. They're not happy because there's no way you can tear someone down um, that you that's done nothing to you unless you're not happy inside. Because most people think the best way to give pain, heal, heal their pain is to give pain. Mm -hmm. And so when I started understanding that, I stopped taking it as personal. It just allows me to be in the environment and deal with the situation. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people, right, man? I mean, it's absolutely yeah the, it's facts the way it works and i'm sure you've been there right and, and the reason why trent could talk about it you know what i mean he's seen it and maybe you've been been that person that sometimes in life right and i, I know i have um yep. and you look back and you talk about you know there's go to the end of your day and like there's things that you don't want to regret like that's one right because that one thing could spend send somebody into a downward spiral so um yeah i love that yeah those those um you said change your mindset towards the situation right it's just that simple it's the power of choice and and yeah. uh, that's a superpower. So I love that, man. What I want to do is I want to jump into, I'm going to give you four words. Okay. okay. I like doing this with my guests because I like to see where their head's at. Um, I'm going to give you four words, one at a time. You say whatever's on your mind, color, you can say a word, a phrase, whatever it is. First thing that pops up. You ready? Yep. All right. Failure. Success. Success. <laughs> no, I say failure. So bad. Journey. Yeah. Journey. What was it? Journey. Journey. Rehab. Time. Hustle. Grind. I like it. Awesome. And, and, and the reason why I say that, man, I want to hear what you think, right? And, and yeah. when I say success, right? And then when I say failure, a lot of people, they get caught up with that. But the journey part is the best part. So let's go there for one second. How do people respect the journey and say, I'm committed to it? One word. 
or no? No, this is just in general, oh, bro. No. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're off the one where that was a quick little thing. Because, look, the reason why I'm asking you this is because I think people get excited about the journey. Yeah. But when they're actually in it, when, when they're treading up that mountain and it's snowing, right? And, and it's tight and it's hard and they're out of breath and they're hungry, they give up and they go back down. So that yeah, journey, it, how do people it has, commit? It has to mean your life. Um, it has to mean everything to you. And that's the thing with consistency and commitment is if you're finding it hard to stay committed to something or consistent to something, it's probably because it doesn't mean that much to you. Because the crazy thing about it is that we can stay committed to things that, that don't mean much to us. We can stay consistent to going to jobs that we hate every single day because you understand the repercussions. You understand not showing up to that job that you hate, what's, what's going to happen to your life. And so you have to understand not showing up for your dream and your vision, what's going to happen if you don't show up, right? That person that's dependent on you to show up that you never met, that's dependent on your idea, dependent on your invention, dependent on your, your book, whatever it is that you're trying to create that needs you. And so when you realize that your life depends on it, when you realize that other people's lives depend on the choices that you make, you'll keep treading up that mountain all day long because you realize that, you know, the destination, you know, the, the, the journey might be hard, but the journey is purposeful, right? The valley might be ugly, but the peak is beautiful. So keep climbing. I love that, bro. I love that. All right. So this is the last part of the show where uh, you've already dropped so much value, man. You've changed lives. I already know it. Uh, you changed me with just a few of the things you said. I mean, just the small things, right? Small hinges that swing yeah. open big doors. And uh, that's what the show is about, the story behind the glory um, and giving actionable tools. But now it's time to give them three things, right? So three things that they could immediately implement when they're done with this podcast and they could be better today than they were yesterday. Three actionable things. If you haven't gotten your pen and paper ready, get it out and let's grow. Yeah, so I'm going to give you the rehab process. Um, this is something that you can do every single day. This is something that you can apply to anything, like any area of your life. And the first one is reality. Um, if you never, you'll never win your war by running from your battle. So there's realities that you need to face, whatever that is. It could be, I need to face the fact that I don't have the right habits. I need to face the fact that I have to remove some people from my life. I need to face the fact that I have to deal with some things. Whatever that reality is, you have to face it. Because if you never face it, you'll never get through it. Once you face your reality, the second thing that you need to do is release right? Release the things in your life that no longer serve you. Release the things in your life that no longer move you forward. Because a lot of, see, with like 2020 and the new decade, a lot of times we have these destinations and it's great. We have these visions and we should have them. But the problem is, is that we don't drop the necessary dead weight on our journey. And even if you get to your destination, if you're carrying the same baggage, what's going to happen eventually, right? right? Those same problems, habits, things will find its way back to the surface. And the third thing you need to do in this journey after you release things is repair. So repair for me is, is finding the right people, the right environment, um, the right, you know, habits, the right books to read, right podcasts to listen to, to repair my life on an everyday basis. And so if you take those three R's in anything in your life, I promise you it'll change it. Reality, release, repair. And that's my process to how I live my life. It's rehab time. Let's go. I love it, bro. That I, like legit, just those three things right there. And they're simple enough. That's what I love about it. Right. Yeah. It, 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 something that hit home is that release it. Right. Like you have to drop the dead weight. Got to. And if you get there, you might be able to get there, but you're not going to be able to sustain it. Exactly. <sighs> yes. Yes. And, and, and this year is my year of alignment, right? That's, that's my theme. So, uh, man, I, I absolutely love it. Look, if they don't know who you are, they're crazy. They've been living under a rock. 
but let's go ahead and tell them where they can creep on you, where they could stalk you and what you have coming up so they can go ahead and uh, check you out. Yeah, man. So uh, you can find me, trendshow.com is the website, at trendshow on all social media. Uh, my podcast, Straight Up, uh, just released it this year. So you can listen to that. And uh, book, The Greatest June. I have a new book coming out in May called Straight Up. So yeah, all of that, man. I love it, man. Guys, go stalk my boy Trent. Trent, before we jump off here, any last words of wisdom? I know you love the spoken word. Anything you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, yeah, man. I just want to, first of all, I want to say I appreciate you and what you do. Uh, thanks for sharing your platform with me, man. I'm, I'm very grateful. And um, the thing I will leave everybody on here with is um, the question, are you going to die with your dreams? Are you going to die with your vision? Are you going to die with everything inside of you? And just please don't uh, because – there are people dependent on you. I really want to nail that home. There are the people dependent on you to give your greatness, whatever that looks like, give your greatness to the world. So make the world respect your greatness. And like I always say, it all starts with you. Let's get it. Yes, I love it. Guys, make sure you go check Trent out. Make sure you go ahead and you subscribe to his podcast. Go get his book. It's going to change your life. Obviously, from this 60-minute podcast, it's already giving you tons of value. Imagine what he could do in your life every single day. And as he always said, he didn't change your life. It's going to be you because you're going to be the one putting in the work. So, guys, and that's the other part, right? Information versus implementation. Take at least one thing from today. And as soon as you get off here, take the action. Take the action because Trent and I, we speak – um, but really, we don't speak to speak. We speak to see results in other people. Um, so the information is useless, right? It's, it's, it's legit useless unless you actually put the action in. So please go ahead, subscribe to his podcast, um, and also reach out to him if you have any questions or um, you're interested in going ahead and buying his book. Go to Amazon. I'm sure it's on there. But for this podcast episode, please do me a favor. If you got value out of today, do one of two things. Drop a review of your biggest aha or share this out to somebody. Like it's, it's time to serve people in 2020 and beyond. So share this out to whether it's your whole network or it's just one person, somebody that could use one tool from this episode, share it out to them. And obviously if you have any questions for me at real John Marone, you know where to find me, please reach out. Do not hesitate. And if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead, hit uh, the little bell. So you could uh, subscribe, watch us on any other platform, make sure you're subscribed. But last but not least guys, I hope you have a phenomenal rest of your day. I hope that something today, change your life, and you can finally start creating the ultimate version of you. But if I don't see you, if I don't hear from you, I'll see you next week. Keep creating the ultimate version of you.